Hailing frequencies open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and if I were a crewman in the Mirror Universe, I'd like to think that uh, I could work in the propaganda poster department, making signs like, loose lips sink starships, and if you've got time to lean, you've got time to subjugate all alien races. I'm joined on the show, as usual, by Ella Pearson. She's the co-host of the Generations Geek podcast on the Chronic Drift Network, which is at chronicdrift.com. Welcome back, Ella. Hi, thank you. Ella, I've got a question for you, and this comes a little out of left field. But have you heard of the new movie, Please Stand By? No. It came out this weekend. It is tangentially Star Trek related. Uh, The plot synopsis would go something like um, Dakota Fanning plays a young autistic woman. She runs away from her caregiver in an attempt to submit her manuscript for a Star Trek writing competition. Is that real? This is real. This is a real thing. Uh, (laughs) I guess I'm doing press for it right now. Here's a couple bullet points (laughs) on the pitch. Uh, She sees Mr. Spock as her spiritual guide. Uh, Her manuscript is 500 pages long, so that could be a problem there. Uh, and along the way, she meets a friendly Klingon-speaking cop played by Patton Oswalt. Oh, wow. What an icon. <laughs> <laughs> this is all real. This this feels like a, like a setup for an SNL sketch, but this is a real real thing. I'm like, <laughs> catch me skipping class to go to the movie theater tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so thumbs up there. Well, I also want the opinion <laughs> of someone else who spent a lot of time with Star Trek Manuscripts. Our other guest on the show tonight is the other host of Generations Geek, Scott Pearson. Scott's an author and editor who has written multiple stories set in the Trek universe, the most recent of which is the TOS ebook, The More Things Change. He's edited books such as Treknology and Star Trek, The Complete Unauthorized History, and he co-wrote the IMAX space documentary, Space Next. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, happy to have you. Uh, welcome aboard. Uh, I'd like your opinion on Please Stand By. Have you heard of it? I have. Really? But you didn't tell me. <laughs> well, there's, a, there's a lot that doesn't get told to Ella. Uh, it's true. I always assume that anything that I've heard of, you probably have seen on the internet a week <laughs> earlier than me. So I don't, yeah, I don't mention things. Uh, in the film, this girl wants to submit her script for a Paramount Pictures writing competition, um, which is fictional, um, mostly because the prize for winning is like $100,000. And I take, it, <laughs> I take it that's a larger payout than for, say, winning Strange New Worlds. <laughs> yes. And the the thing is that uh, in the script, I, I don't know if I'm dragging this or praising it or, or what I'm doing, but <laughs> I just feel like I need to talk to somebody about it. Uh, in the script, she has uh, <laughs> Spock seeking an equation that can explain humor. So I think I can see where this is going. <laughs> it's just I don't know. It just it sounds like real Hallmark uh, Channel material to me, and and I'm a I'm a cynic, like I might point out, Mr. Spock. So it's going to take a lot <laughs> for something like that to get through my shields. But uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll have a review of it on a supplemental show for enterprising individuals later in the season. Mm. Plus, it's called Please Stand By. I mean, that's the outer limits. What are they doing? <laughs> I think Vic, Vic Perrin's the only uh, point of uh, confluence between those two properties. So, uh, Scott, the last time that you were on, actually the first time that you were on Enterprising Individuals, we talked about the trouble with Tribbles. Uh, and I recently yes. spoke with uh, Paula Block and Terry Erdman, who are mm-hmm. Trek authors, uh, and we talked about Trials and Tribulations. And we were oh, talking nice. about how um, the episode uh, was really a showcase for what was possible for effects at that time. 
But we got to talking about how if they tried to do a, um, like, say, Discovery, you know, did a Trials and Tribulations uh, type episode, uh, you could probably, you could do a whole digital recreate. You could have, like, a digital William Shallert or Stanley Adams, like, walking around in the episode, uh, a la Grand Moff Tarkin, and nobody would know the difference. (laughs) (laughs) You might get away with it a little bit more on on the small screen than the big screen, but... uh... That's possible. Yeah. Something that I'd like to see, um, I mean, if they did something that was like a time travel episode, you could do something like that. I'd like to see somebody, a franchise like Trek, um, do something like that. And it's like I would give them lease to do it because I feel like when Trek does that, it's always, especially Tribulations, it's very celebratory. Mm -hmm. um, And it wouldn't be cynical. And I don't mean to um, actually want to talk about Star Wars a little bit later in the show. I don't mean to (laughs) put Star Wars on blast immediately, but I feel like (laughs) having, um, you know, Grandma Tarkin or Princess Leia or something like that in something like Rogue One just smacks of kind of cynicism to me. Like, uh, you know, hey, fans, look at this. You remember this. I mean, the entire the entirety of Rogue One feels like that to me. But but I would like this <laughs> if they did like a Orville Redenbacher type CGI uh, recreation of an actor from the past, I feel like they would be doing it to sort of celebrate um, hopefully the storyline or sort of the world or, or the history of Trek that's uh, happened so far. Hopefully. I, yeah, I think you're right. Or it could be a total cash-in, and they'll just bring um, <laughs> young Ricardo Montalban back to wrestle with uh, Michael Burnham or something like that. But hopefully not. <laughs> I'm hoping not. Uh, Scott, uh, you've been uh, – so you, well, you're the uh, non-silent partner of Ella on Generations Geek, but you've been sort of her <laughs> silent partner in the household for Discovery. Uh, what, do you, yes. what do you think of the series so far? I'm liking it, and – but 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 I think you might have discussed this with uh, Ella. She might have actually used this exact phrase on earlier episodes of Discoverage, that it is not your grandpa's Star Trek. <laughs> um, I said grandmas. So or you said like, grandmas? Yeah, yeah okay. Or grandmas. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I think you can kind of uh, see the result of that in a lot of divisive uh, comments yeah. on the Internet. Well, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, loving it or hating it. Uh, because it is so different. But uh, one thing that has struck me, I think the Internet is part of it, uh, but there just seems to be so much divisiveness in genre fandom now Mm. that, you know, everything gets just dissected over and over and over immediately and, and everything just feeds around and bounces back and forth on the Internet and the, it's, uh, and the it, Tumblr discourse is real. <laughs> yeah, it, it starts feeling like there, it's like there's a no-win scenario out there for stuff. You know, like the new The Last Jedi comes out, and there's a lot of the very vocal part of fandom that hates it because it wasn't what they were expecting it to be. And and then uh, as the, uh, you know, all the uh, theories the, that have... Uh, been uh, shooting around about uh, Star Trek Discovery during the uh, season, and then when one of those theories turns out to be correct, then there's a lot of people that are angry because they figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm not quite sure, you know. What do you want? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, is how do I win? How do I, you know? It's like it's got to be exactly what you want, but not too much like you want, and it's got to surprise you, but not surprise you too much. It's got to, yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's um, 
this is a weird example, but I feel like it's like somebody who was ha- who's been blind or had limited sight for their entire life, and then they get the operation, and you see the YouTube video of them going, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" That's my white coat. I'm a doctor. Like everything is suddenly like they're more sensitive to everything because I think that that sort of criticism has always existed. I mean, God knows, um, me and my friends didn't give Voyager an easy journey, so to speak, uh, when it first came out. But yeah, now it can be. Um, you know, uh, amplified so much uh, yeah. on, on the yeah. internets. And I think that the best revenge is just to, you know, deliver something good and to do it right. Um, and let the haters, you know, say what they're, let haters hate. Uh, as somebody <laughs> said, the philosopher Swift said, um, and so that's kind of how I feel about discovery. I feel like they've been doing that. They've been proving that they know what they're doing. Um, you know, minor missteps aside. And this is something we have definitely talked about on the show previously, but I'll reiterate it here. The way that they're telling the story uh, in this serialized form is more like a single movie or story that's sort of stretched out to 15 um, hours. And so they set things up that you know are going to pay off later. And so when you guess something, it isn't necessarily, oh, no, I guessed it. Or like, ooh, I'm so clever, I guessed it. The pieces were there. Like, we see these... Uh, two sides uh, in this battle, you know, lining up, and we know that they're going to come and fight in the middle here. And you don't go, oh, I guess there's going to be a battle. Well, yeah, you saw everybody lining up for it. So, of course. (laughs) And I think that the way they've paid off uh, some of these, you know, quote-unquote twists or just story developments um, have been skillful and they've been satisfying, at least for me. I agree. I think, like, everything you just said times 10 from my (laughs) head all the time every day. (laughs) Like, I'm so behind the writer's room. I love the show so much. Obviously, I mean, you can't make anything perfect. Like, there's some things that I wish were different. um, But I think they're doing an amazing job. And, yeah, the way the story is played out is fantastic. And I just, I, there's so many people that just need to fight me. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's very contemporary television. Yeah. It's highly serialized. Characters get killed. You know, you know, this it's very much of its time, just like the original series was. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is uh, this is a somewhat shorter again uh, episode, clocking in at about uh, forty three and a half minutes, but it's uh, no less uh, packed with action. Uh, it's the 13th episode of Star Trek Discovery. It's entitled What's Past is Prologue, and we're here to break it down for you. As always, we're setting a course for the spoiler zone, listeners, so be warned. We're glad you've decided to join us, but if you haven't seen the episode, spoilers incoming. The official, the official synopsis for this episode is Lorca plans to move forward with a coup against the Emperor, propelling Burnham to make a quick decision to save not only herself, but the USS Discovery. It was written by Ted Sullivan, who's a staff writer and co-producer for the show, and it was directed by Olatunde Osunsami Samni, who is a writer and director and has recently directed for Gotham and Bates Motel. Uh, the title of the episode comes, like last week's episode's uh, title did, from a Shakespearean allusion. This time it's to the Tempest. Uh, the phrase, what's past is prologue, is said by the character Antonio when he's trying to convince the character Sebastian to kill their king, which is fairly fitting here, I think. Uh, it also inspired the, inspired the title of a Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode, um, as well as uh, Jake Sisko's uh, story, Past Prologue, which he writes in the episode The Ascent. And it inspired the title of a pocket TOS novel, Past Prologue. And, fun fact, I played Antonio in a production of The Tempest <laughs> at a local theater. But we didn't have the budget to do Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, last week on Star Trek Discovery, the tension got racketed up, uh, ratcheted up as what we long suspected was confirmed, and we weren't mad about it. <laughs> it just happened. Lorca was not our Lorca at all, and he's on a quest to unseat Giorgio as the emperor of the Terran Empire. This week, we see the seeming resolution of that storyline, although there are no Klingons, regular or human style, to be found in this episode. What do you think about the lack of any um, Viler in this? Um, Scott Scott Viler is what we're calling the Vok Tyler yeah. Portmanteau. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't need him. <laughs> All right, I, <laughs> he's out of your life. Um, I mean, I guess we'll. I mean, I'm assuming he's just you know like brewing in the brig, right? <laughs> like I. I don't think we really... Did you guys uh, watch the uh, next time on Discovery? I don't think we see him in there either. No, he wasn't in that either. Oh, no, he wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I think he's just stuck down there. I don't really know. Like, I don't know what the plan is, especially now that they're, like... I mean, jumping to the end, the, the Klingons have won the war. Yeah. So, I don't know what's in store. Like, I would assume that they're going to try to use him and... um. What's her face? Who I hate uh, to their advantage. <laughs> okay, uh, is what's her face or what's her, half her face? Uh, Laurel. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Oh. There you go. <laughs> A little coffee coming out there. Um, yeah, I um, I want to talk about something. Well, real quick, I want to say um, if we're doing predictions early, um, I'm, Harry Mudd's coming back. We got two episodes left. You don't set up that he is. Um, you know, connected to an arms dealer and then come back to a war situation without that character coming back. So I, I think we're going to see um, Rain Wilson show up in these last two episodes. I'm so ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the first thing on my list that I want to talk about is, is Star Trek Star Wars now? Discuss. Answer, no. <laughs> oh, no, okay. <laughs> I, I don't understand the question. Uh, let me elaborate on the question. Um, tonight, had it had a very Star Wars-y feel. Um, and I don't say that in a, like a derogatory way. I just mean in terms of the kind of story um, that we're seeing. Um, here's some bullet points. Uh, it's very shooty. There's a lot of lasers. Yep. Um, somebody blows open a, a vent and escapes through it. Uh, they have to shoot a glowy thing at the end to blow the big thing up. Like it's a lot yep. of these sort of tropes and story beats that you'd see normally in um, an action um, sci-fi uh, than something like what we've seen in the past, um, a Roddenberry-esque Trek adventure. I definitely see what you're saying. I This episode was definitely, it was, I mean, a lot more action-packed than we've seen before and a little bit less of like classic Star Trek. But I think that, We'll get back to it pretty soon. Yeah. Get back to our, the good old ethics. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you still know, see ethics. <laughs> even even in um, even in this episode, though, you still see Burnham, yeah, uh, struggling to maintain her Starfleet uh, ideals, right? And so even in the trappings of a Star Wars esque <laughs> shoot 'em up. We see her, for me, that's one thing that is really, uh, that I loved about the series as a whole. You know, a lot of the feedback you see from people that aren't as uh, pleased with the series, they'll talk about how dark it is. Mm. But for me, the fact that you're watching someone among, you know, in that darkness, 
struggle to maintain her moral compass yes after having that fall at the beginning that's still sort of the heart of star trek there even though it's taking place in this war-torn time yeah i think that's something that i had mentioned um maybe back in at the pilot or in the early episodes uh, which was that they've dug like a real hole for Burnham. Like, I'm not even sure if I like this character just because of you know, the circumstances that she's come from. And they've got, got a long road ahead of them to bring her back. And Is that still are. how you feel now, though? No, in episode 13, that... she's talking, she's trying to talk down Giorgio. And I'm like, yeah, tell her. Yeah, that's right. You're Starfleet. <laughs> you know, like, I, I believe in her redemption. I guess the one complaint that I might have is that there's a lot of, I like the fact that they have put the Starfleet ideals uh, on display, you know, on center stage. Um, but we're still, there's a lot of uh, telling and not showing. And I know it's not really the storyline that they're trying to tell. They're trying to tell this mycelial mirror universe, la da da storyline. But I'd like to, like, if we get, you know, I know we're getting a season two, but if we go forward in season two, I'd like to see more of them embodying those ideals instead of just having to remind themselves constantly in speeches, you know, that we are Starfleet and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. I'd like to see them just embody those ideals in the way that Kirk or Picard or, or what have you does. Mm-hmm. But that's like, that's a wish list. I mean, that's not even a complaint, really. <laughs> um, I do think that, yeah, there was a lot of uh, shooty laser battles in this. And I think part of it is like, we're in the mirror universe. These are vicious people. And we don't, it's that thing where you get a double of somebody in a sci-fi episode and you're like, all right, well, you're going to die. Or like one of these two (laughs) people are going to die. And since these are all bad guys, then we get to just see them all blow each other away. And you get that, you get to have a little bit of violence in your trek (laughs) where Starfleet is not supposed to be violent. It's kind of like having your Kelpie in and eating it too. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, And and I do like... uh, you get the trope of like, we got to shoot the thing and then fly away and it's going to blow up. We're going to go, yeehaw. Um, but we can thank Nicholas Meyer for that probably. Cause that's exactly how Wrath of Khan ends. <laughs> so that's all uh, in keeping as far as that goes. Um, let's talk about Lorca. Um, we get to see, you know, his quote unquote true face or his true side in this episode. And it makes me wonder, not I, I feel I am invested in this character I like this character and I wonder looking back now on the show you know was it all a lie does he represent something different did he not fit in in the mirror universe because he is has different values um, could, was he just faking being a good guy the whole time in our universe or like what's the deal I think that my impression of Lorca is that he is just so devious that he's able to to you know put on this other face. I mean he I mean even for people from the mirror universe because yeah. remember in uh in Mirror Mirror in the original series we find out once the good guys get back to the real universe Spock makes some comment about how it was, uh, or someone says something about maybe it was easier for you good guys to act bad than for the bad guys to act good. And so they sort of spotted uh, Evil Kirk and his people right away and got them in the brig. Mm-hmm. Uh, where now we see Lorca com- compared to that, Lorca is obviously much more sneaky. Right, right. That he was able to fit in, basically. Yeah. Um, 
I also like that it gets revealed in this episode that he got here by a transporter accident, so that's a callback to how it happened in the original series. Yeah, right. Ella, what do you think about Mr. Lorca? I'm, you know, I'm still, I'm still processing his, like, (laughs) he went so fast from, like, creepy captain, why are you in Starfleet, to, like, okay, like, I like you, like, you're a strong leader, you're starting to bond with Michael, to, oh, you're so evil, you're, like, literally, you're the villain, yeah, <laughs> especially like these past few episodes with Lorca have been this just this crazy roller coaster. Yeah, that I'm I don't know I'm still trying to catch up. I'm surprised that he went so quickly. Like it, it seemed like he, I mean he just went from zero to one hundred so fast yeah. with being like the evil captain. But I mean I think that it must be that you're right that he is just like. He's so smart yeah. that he well, was just he. Well, also he probably didn't really care. He was like, "Yeah, I can just be nice. It doesn't matter because as soon as I get back, I can do whatever I want." Yeah, but but then also in retrospect, we realize that those um, first impressions that we got of him. Yeah, we're exactly were right. right. Yeah, yeah. There's a industrial strength level of sociopathy on display. I think the fact that he can <laughs> give. Burnham this like pep talk you know the exact talk that she needs to hear it's not the talk that Lorca would give you know once he's emperor and he's talking to one of his soldiers or something yeah he's playing that role perfectly and then can just discard it uh, immediately this is the first episode that and I know that this has been stated like all throughout the development of the show but this is the first episode that I really felt like the overt sort of political parallels um just the fact that he gets up there he's become this kind of charismatic leader and he's talking about like we get a, a sort of reflection of um so to speak of uh you know his talk his spiel about <laughs> destiny um he gives burnham like the uh, you know we're not so different speech like every uh, good villain has to and so i'm wondering like is is he trump and Giorgio is bannon or is that flipped <laughs> around or, or how does that work exactly um um, what, the difference what, between Lorca and Trump is that Lorca is a respectable villain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more plausible, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's and they, got uh, yeah. articulate. Uh, yeah, more well, articulate, certainly, yeah. Um, and I also thought, I mean, and again, he shows that ability to sort of flip back right away again because he talks to um, Saru later and I mean, I don't think there's he's not really trying to hide the fact that it's like, well, you guys got to go like I know. You, in fact, you're so I have to kill you. You're too good. I know you guys aren't going to flip. So I respect you. And at the same time, it's like, well, did you have to hide like your disgust at, at Saru being an alien all this time? Because as soon as you got back, I never the, thought about that. Yeah. On the Terran tip, you were like, we got to You let all these aliens come in and we got to, you know, make, you know, the universe great again and all this sort of thing. Um, so I. I, I, that's kind of why I wonder about his character. If like he really can just lie exactly the way he needs to lie all the time, or if he just doesn't care, he just respects people who are skilled and just wants to get what he wants to get. Ultimately, yeah, I don't know. I you know I took it that he, I believed him when he told Saru that he respected him. Mm. Um, 
but he he is so devious. He is the kind of person where it's like, well, how can you ever really know when he's telling the truth or not? Right. I mean, also, I think that Lorca probably saw, like, that Saru is, like, just honestly a really good captain and a really good leader. Mm -hmm. But saying that he respects him isn't the same as being like, I'm not a xenophobe. Like, (laughs) like, he's like, I respect you. Like, you're, like, you're so strong for, like, where you came from. (laughs) Credit to your race. Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But he's not like, we're equals. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But it all works out because he gets moondored at the end of this thing. I have a a question. (laughs) Is it a good idea to have a trap door right above your gigantic <laughs> energy explosion? Um, it makes recycling easy. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's talk about uh, Captain Saru in this case. Oh, my gosh. Please, let's. Yeah. He's come a long way, I think, since the beginning of the I show. Just, oh, please. His, go ahead. His speech, I, like, I wanted to cry. <laughs> I... He, I mean, we've seen him, I mean, we've definitely seen him grow over the course of this season, but I don't think that he's actually grown that much. I think that he's been that person since the beginning. It's just that at the beginning of the season, we saw him struggling with his emotions um, over him feeling like Burnham was stealing his spot with Giorgio. Um, and that yeah. made him, like, that made him weak. Mm. Um, I just... And I'm just so like proud of him. Like that's a yeah, that's great. He's such a fantastic captain. Yeah, well, there's um, going back to the Starfleet ideals point. Uh, there's two points in this episode where, um, in order to like save the universe, first it, it happens that Burnham realizes that she has to drop the shields. And so she's going to do that without hesitation, without really knowing that she's going to have any chance of getting off the ship. Mm. Then when it's further revealed that most likely the Discovery will also perish in the explosion, Saru and all of the crew that are in the the room with him there, there's not a moment's hesitation because they know we're saving the universe. Right. And so they just... Well, and they're also, just ready to do it. There's like that moment of silence where they're like kind of contemplating it. Yeah. Uh, and Saru just steps in. I mean, and nails the speech. This, I this is his life's calling. Like that was amazing. Right. And you'd have to trust him because you know if he's scared, then the things come out. So when he says, <laughs> "Hey guys, exactly. I trust you guys. I know we can do it. I'm not scared." They're like, "All right, great." You know that you can believe in your leader there, and that's a yep. big uh, change from a guy that's lied to them the entire time, like Lorca. Although I'd have to imagine Saru says, "You're dismissed." Then he walks out. The doors close, and those things come out like <laughs> knives. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> "I was holding that in forever." <laughs> he just. <laughs> immediately has a panic attack (laughs) down to the floor yeah (laughs) i saw okay i think this i saw a poll today on twitter and i think it was from like an original like an actual like star trek twitter but i don't i don't remember what twitter it was Mm -hmm. but it was like who do you think should be the captain now and like saru was leading but he was leading over Lorca by like five percent it's like okay what I know. <laughs> and I there were four choices. I don't remember the fourth. It was like it was Saru, 
Burnham, Lorca, and one of the, and yeah, and Lorca was like in second place above Burnham. It's like, are you guys, are you good? <laughs> but then did the... uh, like I voted for Saru. I was like, I love Michael Burnham with my entire heart. But first of all, she's not a Starfleet officer anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's so, like first trouble there. <laughs> first thing. Second of all, like I had the confidence in Saru even before this episode to know that he, <laughs> he should be the captain. Anyways, I just wanted to, I wanted to bring that up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have been really impressed. Um, the only thing that I would want a little more, and I'm sure you can get this in some of the uh, tie-in uh, fiction would be to see more of that played out. I know it's not really his story. Um, and Ella, like you said, like, you know, you, your interpretation is that he's been that guy all along. And I think that's a good interpretation, but I would have liked to, I'd like that one little glance. We got a couple episodes back where he was in command and he's like, okay, computer, like what are the best commanders and how do they do it? And seeing him sort of yeah. take the steps on that journey, the, the long strides, horse strides mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> on, that, on that journey. But yeah, he's turned out uh, pretty great though. Uh, let's Just talk about something like, how do you keep your ganglia? From... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Duct tape. Interesting. I'll replicate some. <laughs> um, let's talk about another character who might be in for a change. We'll see. Uh, that is Mira Georgiou, who uh, follows us along to the regular universe, because we can't let that one get away. She's there. <laughs> uh, she's... Get used to it. Um, what do you think... Uh, what role do you think she's going to play in the uh, upcoming... Well, looks like a war or resistance against the Klingons. I mean, it depends what Saru does with her right like i feel like he's really not going to trust her oh certainly not but i think it's also it's going to be weird for everyone on disco because they didn't have to like face her yeah like saru like i i'm i am having a lot of feelings <laughs> i just like he loved her so much like arguably like he admired her at least as much as michael did and does right and right. he has so many like pent-up emotions about her that i think it's going to be a like really intense um pseudo reunion for saru yeah and she looks at him and sees a turkey leg so that's I don't know exactly if work exactly out. and she's just going to be like why is there a kelpian like in a senior position like yeah. <laughs> you guys are even crazier than i thought I felt I hope that they do keep that going, and with uh, two hours left, they'll have to. But I th thought after the big kung fu fight at the end, which we can talk about and was awesome, by the way, um, <laughs> yes. they did seem to be leaning heavily or a little heavily, uh, more heavily towards. Oh, she's good now. Oh, yeah, everything worked out. Like, uh, I I'll sacrifice myself now um, for no good reason, <laughs> or at least I guess the reason given is that I can't rule these people anyway, so I'm just going to go out in a blaze of glory. Um, and it seems like well, yeah, leading... they would execute her no matter what. Oh yeah. She's dead. Uh, and so if, if, and, and as you, you can see in Burnham's eyes, Oh, she's going to do something stupid. She's going to go grab her. Um, but if she hadn't, that would have been, she, the whole ship blows up. She's dead. Oh, we're sad, but we can move on. But it's that thing where we just can't let things end. Like not letting go is part of Burnham's problem, I think. <laughs> and so yeah. now she's brought Giorgio into our universe and we don't have a lot of time left in the show, but I'm really curious to see uh, what the mm -hmm. effects of that are. Did you, so you got the impression that she was planning that from like the second that Giorgio said that she was going to sacrifice herself? Oh no. I just like, once the uh, guys bust in and all the guns start going off and Burnham crawls behind the pillar, you know, to make her little call, I just thought you could just see, 
partially because I, you know, I've seen a lot of shows like this, but also you could just see in her performance that it was like she was thinking I could run out there and grab her and we could just both get transported up. I could totally do it. And she, yeah, and I was like yelling at the TV, "No, don't let her go!" <laughs> it's <laughs> it's very sad, but she's more trouble than she's worth, and now we've got the trouble. So, I kind of I kind of felt like she was thinking about it, but I felt like it was a very like last second decision. Like she was like thinking about it. Like she doesn't have to die. I could save her. This sure. Georgia could live, and then sure. she just like went for it. Yeah. So I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't like she's gonna do it. I was like, oh my god, she did it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's uh, talk kung fu fighting. Uh, it's yes. not. Uh, uh, it's not oh, exactly. Was... Oh, go ahead, Scott. That, that, they, I was just exactly was... yes that that exactly. <laughs> it was such a great fight. I also liked how it kind of um, mirrored, so to speak, the <laughs> seeing when we saw Giorgio and Burnham in a much too brief fight sequence on the sarcophagus ship. Yes. Yeah. And now we get to see them fighting together again in this weird way. Um, and But they really let Michelle Yeoh uh, unleash what she's capable also, of. Also, can we talk about... Okay, um, I, I am going to... I think I'm coining a word here, which is leg span. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's just like anytime she kicks anyone, it's just like... She, like, what's the... What's the biggest bird? Turkey vulture? It's Condor, like maybe? I'm not sure where you're going with this. I'm just amazed by the range of her legs. Like okay. when Lorca throws the knife at her and she just like slams it to the ground. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> Who needs hands? Yeah. Exactly. They should have had her cuffed for the first part of that scene. It would have been even more impressive. Oh my gosh. Oh, yes. I like leg span. Uh, people in the head. Yes, leg yeah. span. <laughs> when uh, Saru sees her kick, he's like, it's not bad. <laughs> yeah that was great it's not really usually what i come to trek for but we are way past double axe handles now um i really did think the uh, choreography was extremely well done and it was also the kind of fight that is flashy and uh but i will compare uh something uh this to something that uh michelle Yeoh has done before like uh, crouching tiger hidden dragon where the fight Ooh. the story doesn't stop when the fight begins, the fight continues to tell the story. And so you get bits like, uh, you know, Giorgio is, you know, executing people with lethal force. Michael Burnham is trying to, you know, take people down non-lethally. Uh, Lorca gets thrown off and Landry starts uh, uh, fighting. Um, I think it's Michael Burnham. It might have been Giorgio. And Lorca gets a sword and he just slices Landry and puts her down because it's like, no, I'm going to kill this person. You know, he's that's that sociopathy. He doesn't care. He just wants what he wants. And instead of just a bunch of cool kicks and leg span, uh, we get, uh, you know, the story continues to be told. We see these characters and how they fight. And that's that's what I'm looking for when I get a fight scene. Yeah, it was a great scene. Um, I just I hope that every fight scene from like, I just want to see a Michelle Yeoh go without being choreographed. <laughs> <laughs> like I want to, I want to watch like a single shot of her just like attacking stunt doubles. <laughs> uh, let's see if we can set that up for you. Um, <laughs> next uh, creation. Get Ted Sullivan on the phone. <laughs> just uh, yeah, just jump around the street. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, so let's talk about some of the um, unanswered questions that we might have going forward here. Uh, I'll just jump in here. Uh, what was the green spore that landed on Tilly? 
Yeah, was that a, okay, was that supposed to be, like, a plot element? Am I, like, I was watching that, and I was thinking, like, am I crazy? Are we just, like, what's the point here? It's TV when they take time to do, you know, an insert, and you see something specific happen. I assume it's for emphasis. I have no no idea what's going to happen. I don't know what, I have no clue what the possible effect of that could be i mean it didn't even land on her skin it didn't go into her mouth you know it landed like on her uniform <laughs> right uh well your dad's not saying anything so i, I guess no, you're gonna have to move forward i don't think he will <laughs> i am contractually unable to say anything one way or the other well audience take that I'm just, for what you will i'm just <laughs> humming like i don't know the jeopardy theme song in my head right now <laughs> she's wintergreen fresh now um <laughs> So here's something else that I, as soon as it happened, I thought, oh boy, this is really going to piss people off. So they return to their own universe, but not to their own time. And they've gone nine months ahead on their own timeline, which on one side means, oh, they've got a time machine now, essentially. Um, But the other side is like, I'm thinking about like the areas of canon that are sort of quote unquote unwritten. And I'm like, I don't remember the Klingons taking over Federation space for nine months. Uh, unless there's an unwritten book that's uh, yet to come out, uh, which there could be for that. So now I'm wondering if we are not in an alternate universe, but an alternate timeline. And if the last few episodes will involve them somehow uh, quantum leaping uh, to put right what once went wrong or do some jazz like that. What do you think? Yeah, I was I was wondering if the implication was that without the discovery, we would not have won the war. Yeah. That's what Pretending I'm like, like I'm uh, part of the Federation. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> which I think, yeah, I don't think, cause they said they weren't in an alternate universe. So you're right that it has to be, I think you're right that it has to be an alternate timeline. Um, so beyond that, yeah, my next guess is disco had to be there to win the war. Yeah. And it remains to be seen how that gets resolved. Um, I don't, I don't want to say I don't care about canon because, of course, I, you know, I love this franchise and I do. But I, I'm the kind of person who says, if you write something better, go for it. You know what I mean? Like if you come up with some great um, development or sort of change to it, like a lot of stuff that happens on Enterprise is interesting. Enterprise didn't exist until they made the show. Uh, that was a very sort of um, murkily defined uh, era of sort of Starfleet that was pretty much, I think the FASA role-playing game was like pretty much one of the only like ways <laughs> to get information about that. And so if they yep. take that and sort of dry the cement, if you will, I'm cool with that. But I have to admit that myself and probably a lot of fans are kind of watching this bull tiptoe through the china shop of continuity. <laughs> and we're like, oh, don't bump that. Oh, oh, careful over there. And so, yeah, I'm kind of wondering where they're taking this. But as I say almost every week, you know, we've been in good hands so far. So... I like to see where it goes. So are you saying, would you be fine if they sort of like insert this, like the Cleons won the war for a second? Like, or would you be like, would you feel like that was just like a, a, a device for a disco? And would you be salty? Well, it dep- oh, I see what you mean. Um, well, it depends on how they're sort of defining things. Like, is it now we can get into our like time travel sort of theories, but can they, change something and then go back to a certain like do they have to go back in time to live out those months and fight along and then that universe that future will never happen or can they change one thing and then it'll all back to the future and everything will be fine again or what is it exactly and i'm a little worried that 
often when you get what is it they say on Doctor Who? It's like there are fixed points in time or certain um, people yeah. or events are very important. Yes, yeah, certain things have to happen. Otherwise, like everything is ruined. Yeah, like everything seems to revolve around uh, Miss Burnham here. So I'm yes. kind of worried that it's possible that like if she never existed, none of this happens and we might have to get rid of her. <gasps> yeah. that, Ella is silent. That was so intense. <laughs> it would have been nice to have a camera on her face at that point. <laughs> so I guess that puts us in our segment where we check our threat ganglia and we, oh my God. we ask who's going to the big holodeck in the sky. And I guess my pick would be uh, Michael Burnham. Oh my God. I don't, did any of us have Lorca? I don't really keep track of this stuff, by the way. I think I, last week, I think I said Lorca. Okay, I think you probably did say Lorca. But I tend, to, I tend to say, like, Bill says, yes, I said Lorca. But I also tend to be like, I'm worried about everyone. Here's four names. Right. <laughs> so, like, uh, oh, if, man, I'm still worried about everyone. Uh, if I had to say, and I guess this question is just for Ella, but if you had to sort of sketch out what you think the next two episodes are going to look like, what do you think it would be? I mean, honestly, I think from the end of this episode, I can't, I can't right now think of any other plot than without the discovery, the Federation loses the war. And so they have to go back in time and figure out what went wrong, or they have to stay in this timeline long enough to figure out when exactly the Klingons, like what gave them the advantage right? and then go back. Yeah, um, it certainly wasn't yeah, the cloaking device because, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I mean, yeah, they took care of that and that didn't seem to have any effect. So, um, I, yeah, um, I, just <laughs> hearing you, uh, hearing you, uh, kind of lay that out, uh, made me realize that, like, I, I, I don't know, <laughs> and I, I yeah. love that. That's good. It's good to not know. Um, it's good to like, have set up. Like- I can think of, but yeah. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent all in on that happening. Yeah. Okay. But I think it's good that they've set up um, such a rich world with so many possibilities that we're at a point of climax. And I, I can't tell you like, yeah, I think we all kind of had it in the pocket that um, this was like mirror Lorca, but good twists are ones that don't totally break the story. Like once you know them and so that's out and that changes the game but we still don't know how the game ends. And so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the next two weeks. Me too. I was just, I was thinking today about, like, who who could they kill in the last episode? <laughs> <laughs> and I, ha- I have no idea. <laughs> and I was so worried. <laughs> well, stay yeah, because worried. Like, yeah, that, because, yeah, it ties in. That's what I said earlier about being con- contemporary television. It's like watching The Walking Dead. You start getting the sense that, well... Who is safe? Is anyone safe? And the answer is no one. If you're caught up on The Walking Dead, the answer is no one is safe. And if you're not caught up, beware. But that's exactly how I feel about disco. We should have a segment where we we speculate on who's going to get killed, but we should be speculating on who's coming back with a (gasps) mirror universe and an extra character for each character. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to think that this isn't the end of Captain Lorca in, in every capacity because um, I love uh, Jason Isaacs, as I've made clear on my other show. And, um, you know, I mean, the real the real prime Lorca could be out there somewhere still. Yeah. Like, where is he? That's what I was thinking when uh, Michelle Yeoh, you know, 
came in hot. <laughs> like, where's, like, our Lorca? What is he doing? Is he nice? Like, is he a father figure or is he a creep? Like, I need to know. Boy, I don't think I could buy him as a father figure, but it seems like the math would check out, though, based on exactly. the way that we see Giorgio in the uh, mirror universe. Yeah. It's like a good mom versus a bad mom. <laughs> Uh, well, I think that's pretty much it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us, listeners. If you like what you hear, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EIST Pod for updates and to get notified when new episodes of both Enterprising Individuals and Discoverage are released. You can also tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag Discoverage or email us at EISTPod at gmail.com. Also, while you're on the internet, why not head to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to our show. Give us a rating and a review if you think of it because it really helps us out. You can stop by our Patreon page at Patreon dot com forward slash eist pod and if you like the show tell a friend next sunday is the super bowl and as such our schedule will be a little different uh we're still watching the episode of discovery that night uh which is called the war without the war within and after the war on the gridiron has ended assuming it doesn't go into double overtime far into oh the night <laughs> uh we'll be back live with our recap of the episode so we will tweet out next sunday night what time we're going live so you don't miss a step and you and hey enjoy the big game if that's your fancy i mean it's no parisi squares but you know <laughs> ella thanks for joining me on the show remind people where they can find you online uh, you can find both of us um, at generationsgeek.com and on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Father, <laughs> where can they find you? They can find my website at yashure.net. And they can find me on Twitter as S. Michael Pearson. And I'm around other places as well under Scott Pearson. <laughs> Great. And your work's available on Amazon, like Technology, Star Trek, The Complete Unauthorized History. The books that you edited are available there, too. Um, be sure to check out Generations Geek on Apple Podcasts. If I'm not mistaken, you guys' Alien Watch episode has come out. Is that correct? Yeah, Aliens. Yep. Um, quick review of the movie. Thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> thumbs up, um, but... Uh, going into watching Aliens this time, I was feeling like I was going to love it more than Alien, which was my initial response on my first views of both movies. But sure. now that I've watched it over again, um, original Alien for life, nothing can beat it. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, hold on to those thumbs up as you move into the Alien franchise, because they're only going to get tired <laughs> yeah, as you go. Yeah. Listen, I'm waiting for the dog alien. OK, I am waiting for lots of good stuff. Some prime content is coming. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, because depending on whether you watch the theatrical cut or the assembly cut, it's yeah. a dog or like a cow alien, I think. Yeah, it's a it is it's a cow, which yeah. is like a dog can still be scary, but like a cow is like, <laughs> what's a cow gonna do to you? Right, its second mouth comes out and also eats grass, so <laughs> not very scary. Well, thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks to the listeners for listening, and we are signing off. This is Aaron for Scott and Ella saying, "Live long and prosper." <laughs> <laughs>